Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Hey guys, it's me, Henry. Uh, this is the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Illegal Pete's, where if you are going to an event, any sort of event, whether it's like a concert or a sporting event or like a play, those are still things, maybe even a movie. I bet if, you, if you're like on 16th Street, you're going to movie theater, get your ticket a little bit earlier walk down a few blocks, go to Illegal Pete's, show them that you have a ticket for something, and then before or after that event, you can get a free margarita or draft beer uh, with the purchase of an entree. It's a great deal. Uh, I haven't taken advantage of it, but I know that the Nuggets guys were saying that a lot of the Nuggets subscribers have been taking advantage. Uh, It seems too good to be true, honestly. Uh, Hopefully you guys will get in on that. Um, Illegal Pete's has the best burritos and nachos and tacos and other mexican foods that i've had in my time in denver and uh again you get something free with it so it's it's perfect uh they have six locations in denver two locations in boulder one location in fort collins so wherever you are there's an illegal pete's near you okay um some big news today uh in case you haven't heard the Denver nut and just kidding. Uh, the Colorado Buffs signed Ashad Clayton. We weren't all sure that that was going to happen. Um, sounds like everybody else inside the program was uh, pretty sure that was going to happen. Um, and maybe the drama wasn't totally necessary on our part. Um, but you know what? It all worked out. And Ashad Clayton is going to Colorado. I have to decide whether I'm going to turn off his tweet notifications. And it's like this weird thing. Like I've I've told you guys before how I get like like I actually miss you, which is weird because I've never met the majority of you. Like I haven't checked how many countries we're in now, but it's something like 44 countries or something like that. Um I met a few of you tonight though and had some great conversations. Um but I still feel like you're like a part of my circle. Um, and in the same way that I feel that way, I feel that kind of with Shad Clayton, just because for months now, every time he's tweeted something, it's popped up on my phone. Like I have lit or read literally every one of Shad Clayton's tweets, watched every one of his periscopes for months, and he tweets and periscopes a lot. Um, so it feels weird to just cut that out at this point, but there's really no reason to keep this going. Um, I don't know. I have some decisions to make. It's going to be, 
It's going to be a late night. It already is a late night because I spent the day at Blake Street Tavern. I was there for like six hours, probably five hours. I can't. I got there pretty early. I stayed pretty late. Um, so many awesome people. I, I, I've talked this up on the show before, but what happened was yesterday, or I guess today, today, why is it yesterday? Today was signing day. Uh, the Buffs signed three players. We'll get into them pretty soon. I really like them all. What I've heard from this coaching staff makes me like them all even more. Um, and in honor of that, the entire Buffs coaching staff and the entire Buffs recruiting staff and other people too, who are also important, um, all came down from Boulder to the Blake Street Tavern, the best place to have something like that. And Mel had like a speech and everybody was like mingling and people got to talk to coaches about different things. It was such a cool event. You know, Chris Fusilet, who owns the Blake Street Tavern, said that there were 690 RSVPs for today, uh, which is just crazy. Like you think this is a bar. And sure, like you guys know the ad read, um, Ryan says that you could land a 747 in there. And he's probably right. No. Eh, You know, it's possible. I'm not sure. I'm not really sure how big a 747 is. Um, But the point is it's massive. It was packed. They were also taking walk-ups, so you didn't even have to sign up. There's like free taco bars, really good tacos. First drink was free. It was packed. Like, I've never seen that place like that before, and it was so much fun. Um, I'm, I, I, I talked a couple days ago about how bought in I am on this entire football program um, for a bunch of different reasons, and I don't need to repeat all those, even though I have a tendency to do that. Uh, but today just reinforced all of it. Um, Mel gave his speech. He killed it as you'd expect he would. Um, talking about how he's trying to build a championship, like a national championship contender in Boulder. Not even just build a contender. He's he's saying he wants to win a national championship. That's why he's here. And it's not just lip service. He deeply means that when he says it. And he totally thinks that that's possible. I mean, we know it's possible. It's happened here before. Um I've I've talked about how, you know, this this whole narrative that CU isn't good at football is way overblown. When you look at the last few years, they're actually just a pretty average football program, a power five football program. I mean, maybe a little below average now that I think of it, but you know, the rise kind of makes up for that. What Mel just keeps saying, talking about how if you can't recruit to Boulder, then you just can't recruit. Um, talking to these coaches, uh, again, the the people who were there, like of course, I, I I enjoy talking about or talking with like the subscribers and the podcast listeners and other just like random people. The way that you talk to random people at a bar, but getting to spend, you know, Justin Guerrero from Rivals and I spent probably an hour talking to Brian Michalowski, and boy, is that guy impressive. I, uh, I couldn't believe, and again, like, these conversations, like, he didn't tell me things anticipating that I'd go on the podcast and, you know, like, say everything he just said, so I can't give you the details, but what I can say is that Brian, who is the the uh, outside linebackers coach for CU and he's I want to say he's 
33, 34? No, he's not that old. Now that I think of it, I totally did that math wrong. Um, he's like 29 or 30. I think he's 30 now. Now I think of it. Okay, so he's like 30, which is incredibly young. Youngest coach on the staff. Um, and there's, like, you hear that. You hear youngest coach on a Power 5 staff. Like, he's got to be a, an obvious up-and-comer, and he totally is. The way he talks about recruiting, the way he talks about player evaluations, how he goes about those different things, how he plans trips, how, you know, like I, the recruiting staff does a great job with that too. Um, got to spend some time with them too. But uh, it's just so great. Like that's my favorite part of this job is talking football with people who really know football. And Brian, he's just mind-boggling. Like there's... Again, a, re- a reason that he uh, got th- the invitation from Mel Tucker to come to Colorado from Georgia and become a uh, the outside linebackers coach in- instead of um, a quality control coach. And I guess he, I don't think he was last year, but, but um, the point is, what a guy. Um, talking about how he builds relationships, talking about how you build a program, talking about all these different things, what he's looking for in guys, all he just has it. And it's time to just jump on his hype train. Again, who knows how long he'll stay in Colorado. He's not a guy who's going to get pushed out by any means, but at some point he's going to be getting some big time job offers. And uh, you just have to hope that the buffs can offer him a promotion every time that he gets one of those offers. Um, had a blast talking to him. Just a, again, smart young guy who's off to a great start to his career. Um, talked to Mel really briefly. Really briefly. I mean, also I was like taking pictures during his speech and he was like looking at me and like laughing. And we had like, like Mel is just so charismatic. He uh, again gets it. And, and that's really what you take away from a night like tonight is just how many good people there are running this program you know you hear about places where it's like a football factory you go in you get like developed it's like this 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 and uh maybe this isn't as rare as it seems to be in my short time covering college football but just having at every level from the top down just packed with good people whether it's the head coach whether it's the sid department um i i had a chance to talk with uh Simone George, the Buffs recruiting director, and Megan Mueller, uh, the one of the recruiting quarters coordinators for the Buffs, and again, we just got to like hang out, chat, talk about football, talk about other things for a good forty-five minutes, an hour, maybe even more, and just again at every level, when when they pull in the best recruiting class that they have in years, and then you go talk to all the people involved, the coaches, the recruiting staff, the everybody, you're just like, well, of course they did. Who wouldn't want to come be a part of this? And uh, it's just nice to see. Like they're all people who I would like to see succeed. Um, that's it just feels like a pretty rare thing in sports to not have a handful of people in an organization where you're like, eh, if things don't go well for him, I'm not really going to mind it much. Uh, again, just a crazy event. There are 800 people there at least. Um, Chris Fuselay, the owner of Blake Street Tavern, Tyler Ziskin, manager, they killed it. Um, the Buffs killed it. Um, 
just so much fun. Just so much fun. Uh, got to talk to some of the boosters. Um, oh, also a candidate for Regent, Richard Murray. And I haven't really followed the whole Regent thing. And it is like a political race where there's voting and stuff. And I try to stay away from politics um, for so many obvious reasons. But I will say that I talked to him for a couple minutes. Um, and to me as somebody who is a pretty much a single issue voter when it comes to uh, regents for CU. It, basically, I just want to see them do what's best for the athletics program because I think that the athletics program is a lot more important. And when you look back to when Rick George tries to hire Mel Tucker, they get everything all negotiated. He convinces a great coaching prospect, an up-and-comer to come be the head coach, lead this turnaround, um, and Mel agrees. And then the contract gets admitted to the regents, and they say, eh, we're not so sure, and a couple of them vote no, and I don't even know which ones voted no. This isn't something I follow closely. That's just a bad look, and that's not... It's it's not good for a bunch of reasons. I don't need to break those all down. But in terms of first impressions, uh, it was great to hear that he really wants to do what's best, best for the athletics department. Um, and he understands that. Um, not an endorsement by any means because I talked to him for like three minutes. But again, you could tell he cared. And I don't really care about political party in this kind of thing. Um, I actually had to Google what party he was afterward because I realized I didn't that didn't even come up. Um, I don't even know what the other issues are to be honest. Um, at least at CU, like you could guess, like oh, do you raise tuition? I don't know. This is way more time than I wanted to spend on something like this. But I will say it was good hearing that somebody who could be in charge of a bunch of important things values Mel Tucker and understands what a strong football program means and takes the time to come out for something like that. Um, again, not an endorsement because I spent three minutes with him, but figured I'd pass that along. Um, just such a fun night, such a fun night. Everybody's there. Got to talk with Mark Johnson for a while. Um, the voice of the buffs. He's just, again, the best guy. Um, all the way down, all the way down. So impressed. Um, got to talk to Chev. Got to thank Chev for retweeting me three times today. And then, then, and then after Chev left, I got a notification they liked another one of my tweets. And I'm not sure if it was actually like a good tweet or if he wanted to throw me a bone. I don't know. Again, they're just fun people uh, all the way through. Uh, and this was a class worth celebrating. It's official. The 2020 class is. 100% signed. I guess there still could be like a transfer, or like a walk on, all that kind of stuff. But in terms of scholarship athletes out of high school, this is it. Um, and it was a good one. And I'm going to tell you exactly why after I tell you about Breckenridge Brewery. Um, Breckenridge is incredible. If you want to try their beers, come to Illegal Pete's on Colfax on Saturday for the Nuggets watch party as the Nuggets take on the Phoenix Suns. Tomorrow's the trade deadline in the NBA. We're like, let's see, it's, it's 11.40 now. I did not plan on doing this so late. But again, fun people. You have to stick around. Um, so that means what? It's like 13 hours to the trade deadline, 13 hours, a little more than that. Um, 
who knows what this team is going to look like. The Nuggets made that crazy trade yesterday and then played tonight against the Jazz. I think they were fourth in the West coming into the night. The Jazz were. This is a second night of a back-to-back for the Nuggets, and they're on the road. And because of the trade and because of injuries, they were down to just seven players active, like dressed for the game. Three of them were point guards, and they won the game. And this is a super fun team to watch. And if you haven't bought in yet, it's probably about time to buy in. And Saturday is going to be a great time because there's probably another move on the way. Um, So yeah, that's my pitch. And also drink the Mile High City beer. It's really good because this turned into just a pitch for our watch party again. But uh, again, it's a copper lager. I don't know what that means, but I know it tastes really good. Um it's it's Breckenridge Brewery partnering with the Denver Nuggets, which is a really cool thing. Again, they're like Colorado brands, obviously. They're marketing to Coloradoans. Um, I still don't know how to say that. Is it Coloradans, Coloradoans? Uh, if anybody knows that, feel free to let me know so I can stop sounding dumb because I have said both in this podcast. Um, it's a good beer. Um, full pint, Munich malts, uh, these are notes. It's, there's a lightly toasted sweetness balanced with a refreshingly clean finish. Um, a dose of Mount Hood hops adds a mild, spicy, and fruity aroma that complements this exceptionally smooth beer. I, and again, I don't know what that means, but I know that it's really good and you should be drinking it. Um, okay. Um, also want to tell you about the Colorado Raptors real quick. Uh, I think that their first game might actually be this weekend. Uh, but the Colorado Rap, Rap, Raptors are Colorado's professional rugby team. Um, Colton Strickler is taking you inside the locker room with the DNVR Raptors podcast. And you can find his written Raptors content right on our site with the rest of our coverage. Of course, you can also join this amazing team community on the dnvr raptors twitter account to get a daily look at what colorado rugby is all about these guys have an opportunity to be really great this year and we're excited to take you on the journey if you didn't know the raptors play at infinity park in glendale just east of cherry creek and beyond checking out our coverage you should really go down there and watch a game it's an awesome venue full of amazing fans and the price is unbeatable kids are getting in for five bucks right now when you buy tickets at coloradoraptors.com Search for the DNVR Raptors podcast after this show and then give uh, Colorado Rugby a shot. Okay. Um, three players signed today. A lot of, lot of good things um, to say about them. Uh, not going to lie, before today, I didn't know much about them outside of Ashad Clayton, but I did get a chance to talk with Mel, not like one-on-one, uh, I think there were like three or four of us, uh, the the Buffs football beat reporters, who were on a call with Mel for a couple minutes this afternoon, and he talked about a bunch of that kind of stuff. I wrote a story, it's up on the website, if you're a member, you can read that. Um, it's uh, uh, kind of about Mel's recruiting approach, not being scared to go to different regions where the Buffs typically haven't not only haven't they not only have they not had much success recruiting in these spots but they also really haven't tried because of that lack of success and now Mel's just saying we recruit nationally there's a guy we like we want him um that's how Ashad Clayton ended up here and uh 
yeah, so you can read about that. Also have the my expectations for Ashad's rookie season, or freshman season. The minimum, I think, is five touches per game. I think as long as he stays healthy, knock on wood, uh, he, he's going to finish the season with at least five touches per game. Um, ceiling is very high. So, uh, again, had a chance to talk about all these guys. We've talked a lot about Ashad. I've told you all about what I think he brings to the table. Um, but there are some uh, other guys worth talking about. Um, in particular, I'm very excited about Will Anglin. He's a defensive back, and he has a pretty unique history. Um, so he's from Cleveland, where uh, Mel grew up, where his parents still live. Mel has a bunch of Cleveland ties, but not only did he go to Cleveland or come from Cleveland, he went to Glenville High School. Uh, which is led by Ten, or Ted Ginn Sr. He's the coach there. And there's a bunch of great talent that has come out of that high school. And Mel Tucker has been using that pipeline wherever he's been for most of his coaching career. Um, Tucker, he, he found uh, Troy Smith, who won the Heisman Trophy. Uh, he also recruited Dante Whitner, who was a first-round pick in the NFL. Um, Ted Ginn Jr., the son of Ted Ginn Sr., he went there. Um, Cardale Jones went to Ohio State. He's from there. So again, this this is a great school in terms of producing um, very high-level college talent. And Mel has the hookups. He knows which guys are good. Anglin isn't the highest-rated recruit. I, I want to say he's in like the bottom five, bottom seven of the Buffs class, and bottom third for sure. But he, uh, he has like this type of energy that Mel really likes. And that's what Mel said about him. Uh, when, when he talked to us today, um, here's the quote, when you get a kid out of Glenville, you know exactly what you're getting. You're going to get guys that love football, tough, hard nosed kids that are going to compete that have high ceilings. I've had a lot of success with Ted Ginn senior with his guys. So there you go. Um, that's, uh, that's, it just makes so much sense. It just makes so much sense. And this just feels like the type of guy who comes in and he isn't highly rated. He isn't somebody who we're all fawning over. It isn't Jason Harris or Ashad Clayton or Brendan Rice or Brendan Lewis or any of these guys who are four stars or close to being four stars. Um, but he's a good football player and he has the right attitude to maximize his talents. And sometimes that's better than having a guy who has a high ceiling, but doesn't necessarily put in the effort to get there. Not saying that any of those guys I just named did. I heard some great stories about them. Again, I didn't tell anybody that I was there to like pull in information to pass along, but, uh, you know, I, I wish I could tell you more, but I can't again, very impressed though. I can tell you that I came away happy. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited to see what England can do. I know that Adam Munster tiger from two forty seven sports said that he projects more as a cornerback. I don't know. Honestly, that's not my expertise. I like the drama of recruiting. I like following the tweets. I don't necessarily tr- like trying to plug guys into systems and all that kind of stuff. Um, 
so yeah, really like him. Uh, also, the uh, other recruit outside of Clayton and outside of Anglin is Jaylee Stacks, who's another guy who I really like. He uh, He's physical. He provides something that the buffs don't have. He's just a big, bulky back, 225. Um, he can run guys over, and that's like his specialty. You know, there are some guys where it's like, like Ashad Clayton, he's a physical runner. He can break tackles. He can knock a guy backwards. But again, he's he's six foot, 200 pounds, and a lot of what you like is that he has the home run potential as well. He's he's more of a balanced back. Uh, Jaron Mangum is a little bit bigger. He's a little bit more physical, but he isn't a straight up just bruiser. He also has the speed. He also has a little bit of wiggle. Um, then from there, you look at Dion Smith, who's more of a speedy back. I think I I do think that there's room for a fourth back in this rotation, which sounds crazy. And by the time we get to the season, there might not be, but. When you look at uh, Alex Fontenot, you look at Jaron Mangum, you look at Ashad Clayton, none of them are great receiving backs or third down backs. Um, and I think that that's where a guy like Deion Smith can really shine. Uh, he could be the, the best receiving threat, the best route runner out of the backfield, um, best in pass protection. Same thing with Joe Davis. Same thing with Jarek Broussard. And I do think that there's a competition, particularly among those three guys, for that type of job. Um, and then you have Jaylee Stacks, who, I mean, I I keep going back and forth. I, I don't think that he's going to... I think he's going to redshirt this year. That's how I'll say it. Um, maybe he gets in. Maybe they use him a couple times, but I don't think they use him in a fifth game. And so he becomes... Um, not eligible for a red shirt. That said, again, he brings something else because you look at those three guys I just mentioned who are probably your four, five, six backs right now. They're similar in a lot of ways. Um, Jay Lee is something totally different than anybody else on the roster. And there's there's a path for him to find uh, a role in this offense, whether it's at running back or whether they use him as tight end. Um I think that there are not at tight end, sorry, at fullback. I think there are a lot of factors that will be in play when it comes to whether he can be a fullback. First of all, whether he's capable of being a lead blocker, whether he has the senses, whether he can block, like he has the impact ability, whether he has the sound technique, um, whether he can make the right reads, um, whether he can memorize a playbook in just a couple of months and uh, be ready to be on the field. Um, but then also, what's what happens with the tight ends? Brady Russell is probably the favorite to get the reps when they use a fullback. But for that to happen, they need to have another tight end who's ready to step up and take his normal spot. Um, and you don't know if any of the new guys, uh, Foria is ready, uh, whether Brumbaugh's ready. Um, there are some options, a bunch of guys who I really like, a bunch of guys who have some upside. But again, who is ready to play week one? Is it Jaylee Stacks at fullback or is it one of those guys at tight end? And I think Brady Russell might take the other spot. Um, I haven't heard much from anybody else about Jaylee potentially playing fullback, but to me, that's just where he projects. Uh, Mel talked about him a little bit today. He said, you know, so Jaylee, I'm not sure how tall he is. But, but he's 225 pounds. 
Um, let's see. They have him listed as 5'11", 225. So that's, I mean, that's a fullback size. But Mel said that before this year, before his senior year at Cherry Creek, um, he lost some weight. And he he lost that weight and became a much better athlete. Um, Mel also shouted out his hands. Um, he he said that he's seen him line up in the slot. Make he actually said he saw him catch a touchdown in a slot. Um, but you know there there is that path. There is that potential role for him. Um, there's just a lot of ways that Colorado could develop him, and a bunch of ways that they could fit him into this offense, whether that's this year, whether it's down the road. Um, should also say, like Anglin, he is a highly rated recruit. He might even be the lowest rated recruit that the Buffs signed in this class. But if he serves a purpose, then why not? Um, again, we've talked a lot about Ashad Clayton. Um, Tucker called him a difference maker. He said that to us. He said that when he was on the Pac-12 Network's um, show today, like their special for signing day. Um, yeah, I, I, I've told you pretty much everything there is to say about him. Um, also, he, he spoke about Jason Harris a little bit too, just because I, I can't remember who asked him, but we haven't talked to Mel since it became official at the All-America game that Jason Harris was coming to Colorado. Um, and essentially Mel said that they don't have anybody that has what he has, the athleticism, um, the build, the length. Um, then, and again, he shouted out, and I think that this is really the key here. And this isn't the only place I've heard this, but he said he's really passionate about the game. Um, so that's something to definitely keep with you from, from what I've heard, you know, I, I don't want to throw like the Evan Batty comp out there, because, I mean, there really can't be another Evan Batty. The, not only is he, like, the, the guy that he is, the personality he has, just beloved by Buffs fans, but there's also, like, the whole history with the stroke and all of that kind of stuff, um, and the rehab from that. Um, but there are some similarities, I think, both, you know, in their approach to the game, the the effort, the way they care, um but then also the the family pedigree of coming from a line of athletes and knowing how to be a great athlete and having that right mentality. Um, so again, I'm not I'm not gonna say he's he's going to be the Evan Batty. He's going to be um, all of that. But uh, I will say that I do think he's going to be a fan favorite for sure. Um, I'm just I'm just excited to see that happen. They actually have him listed at 230 now. Last I saw, he was listed at 220. So it's good to see he's putting on some weight. Hopefully, he puts on just a little bit more. Uh, I, I really do think though that Buffs fans are going to fall in love with him. Not not just because he is so talented and should produce. And you know, when he's producing, those are sacks. Those are tackles for loss. Those are pretty splashy plays. It isn't like a great nose tackle who's just holding down the a gaps. Um, you know, he's going to make plays, but then also his personality. I think. Buffs fans are just going to love, and you know that's part of the reason he is the second highest rated recruit in the Buffs' entire class, um, behind Ashad Clayton. Um, 
what else? Before we move on, I think there are a couple more points I want to hit. Again, Mel was on uh, the the special on the Pac-12 Network for signing day, and there was some interesting stuff that he said. Um, again, he, he said that he thinks Ashad Clayton's a difference maker. Totally agree. Yogi Roth, the analyst there, said that he has Ashad Clayton as the best running back of any Pac-12 team's 2020 class. He thinks he's the best running back coming into the Pac-12 this year. Um, Not really a hot take, but worth noting that that's the kind of respect he's garnering. Um, uh, Mel also spoke quite a bit about how this entire freshman class essentially has a chance to play right away. Uh, He said that he thinks that's part of the reason Ashad decided to come to Colorado. He doubled down later on saying that this is the most competitive roster or much more competitive roster than it was last year. Um, A bunch of guys who are deserving of reps and uh, not enough reps to go around. Uh, Those aren't necessarily going to go to the more experienced guys. It's going to be who is going to produce the most even if that's a freshman. You love to hear that, um, mostly because it's really fun to watch a freshman get hot. Um, Yeah, uh, again, if you can't recruit to Boulder, you can't recruit. Uh, He said he still doesn't know whether Antonio Alfano's waiver is going to get um, accepted or denied. Uh, Mel said that the quarterback could be Tyler Lytle, Blake Stenstrom, or Brendan Lewis. Uh, He said that it's very heated competition. Uh, Even in the weight room, he's hearing the coaches who are in the weight room with those guys saying, yeah, they're they're going at it. They all want the job. Um, And Mel ended all of that by saying he feels good about the situation they have at quarterback. Um, So there's an update. You know, I I think uh, I, I still definitely think that this is Brendan Lewis's job to lose. I think that he has to be the favorite here, but... I am starting to wonder if maybe I've overweighted his odds, whether maybe Tyler Lytle and Blake Stenstrom have a better opportunity um, than I gave them credit for. So I don't know. It's going to be fun to watch it play out for sure. Uh, Mel also said that uh, KD, or he said, I probably talk to him more than I talk to any other player on the team. He's a leader for us. He said that of KD Nixon. Um, he's excited that KD's coming back. Uh, He thinks that he could be a big part of this offense and that that's kind of the next step. They want to develop him and get him ready for the NFL afterward. Um, I want to talk about KD. I think that's probably how we'll end the show. I haven't checked if we have any questions. If there are no questions, I want to get into KD a little bit more because I have some thoughts there. Um, I think that that's pretty much it in terms of what we learned today. Um... Let's move along. Next up, I want to tell you guys about, and, and actually RK really hates it when I say, I want to tell you about this instead of just jumping straight in and having like some clever transition. But the problem is I have something pu- pulled up on my laptop and I have to like click to see what I have to go to next. It's like on a different page of notes. I should probably just put that in the same page. But when you have to check, like how heavy is Jaylee Stacks? And so that's why those transitions are just not as clean as they could be. It's also because I do this by myself. I don't have somebody else who can talk for 10 seconds while I pull this up. I can't just leave it in the silence. I guess I could stop it and start it, but again, that's that's cheating. Um, 
So I want to tell you about Strava Craft Coffee uh, because it truly is game-changing coffee. It's CBD enriched. It's changed lives. Just read the reviews for yourself because they're incredible. There's no reason not to be checking them out. Uh, it's, again, CBD-infused coffee, and it's taken away migraines. It's taken away back pain, IBS, arthritis, um, decreases anxiety, everything. Uh, it's all natural. It's not psychoactive, and that's just... I don't know why we use the word psychoactive. I don't think that that's necessary anymore. Like, can we just say it doesn't make you high? I think that's so much more clear than not psychoactive. High versus psychoactive. Why use that long word when you can just use that quick little one? Um, the coffee's rich. It's tasty. We could not recommend it more. As Strava says, drink deeply, live fully. If you check it out for yourself today, you can receive 20% off when you use the code DNVR20 at checkout. You can get it shipped straight to your door. Um, so yeah. Okay. Um, Katie Nixon. I liked what I heard from Mel. I think when you hear him say that he's spending a lot of time with Katie, that he thinks so much of Katie, um, it's tough not to get excited. I think that... Uh, he gets a worse rap than he deserves um, in terms of his personality, um, in terms of his leadership skills. You know, he, he was voted like the best leader on the team or one of the best leaders on the team and the best spirit and all that kind of stuff because that's who he is. Um, he he, he kind of comes across as like a me first guy, as like your diva receiver, but it all starts with caring about the team and taking guys in under the wing under his wing, you know, he was tweeting at Ashad today, um, calling him little brother, um, Ashad saying like brothers for life, same thing with the other receivers. And he's really embraced that role. He's really become that kind of guy, um, being a leader in the receivers room, um, on the offensive side of the ball. And they need leaders there. You look through this whole roster. What do you, where do you expect to get leadership on this offense you look across the offensive line um you know William Sherman I think is really talented uh, I, I really like him as a person I've had a chance to talk to him a couple times if you guys have been listening to this podcast for a while you remember before the season in like August yeah it was in August he came on the podcast for 15 minutes and talked about a bunch of different stuff and he was impressive there too I think that he could be a potential leader on this team but He's going to be a junior. He, he hasn't been around all that long. Um, but past that, the offensive line, yeah. You look at the tight ends. Brady Russell seems like he could be that type of guy. Um, my favorite Brady Russell still story still is before that Utah game when it's cold and it's snowy and uh, he comes out of the tunnel for warm-ups. Not even warm-ups, but just like when guys are out there just like messing around, stretching, um, getting ready before real warm-ups start. And he's just shirtless. And one of the assistant coaches or one of the somebody says, Brady, what did I tell you about not wearing a shirt? And apparently he told him before. Brady goes back into the locker room. And then five, ten minutes later, comes back out still shirtless um, with somebody else. And I can't remember who else was shirtless. I'll have to go back through the podcast and remember, but again, that's who Brady is. And I wouldn't be surprised if he went in there and said, Hey, I got told to wear a shirt. And Mel said, why is that? 
that's not what we do. We're tough guys. And again, there's that fine line there between being tough and being flashy and being like, oh, I'm shirt off guy. Um, to be totally honest, there are guys on the team who it would be flashier for to uh, have their shirt off than Brady Russell, but, you know, whatever. Uh, but that's the kind of guy he is, and I do think that he could potentially be that type of leader. Um, receivers, pretty much KD. Running backs, Alex Fontenot doesn't really have the personality. Um, like, he still has a great personality, but he isn't necessarily your big, loud, rah-rah type guy. He's very chill, very laid back. Um, and then at quarterback those guys don't quite have the experience, especially if it ends up being Brendan Lewis, the freshman. And so he is a voice that you need. Katie Nixon is really a voice you need on this offense. And uh, I think that that is going to be just as valuable as his production on the field. And I do think that he's going to take a huge jump this year. Uh, I'm not sure how exactly Colorado will use him, but with Visca gone, everything is opened up. And Katie to me is that versatile player who you can have do so many different things he can he, he runs great routes he can make plays after the catch I think you can put him in the wildcat and have success I think you can flex him into running back and have success um, he's that option um, I think Brady Russell does a lot of those same things I'm so high on Brady Russell I I, um, I, I love his game and I love who he is and I think that he is going to be a big deal I think that everything we saw from him last year is just going to grow this year as that other side of the chess piece where he's the bigger guy, tight end, maybe move him out to the slot, H-back, fullback. Give him as many opportunities to make plays, whether he's blocking, whether he's carrying the ball, whether he's running routes. Um, He's a chess piece. Uh, I think that KD is a chess piece. And... I'm not sure. I don't I, I don't necessarily see the running backs that way. We'll see if they have a guy who they think they can flex out into the slot. Um, Alex Fontenot, definitely not the most fluid receiving back. Probably something he's trying to add to his game. Uh, Jaron Mangum, not not really in his... Uh, not, not a skill somebody who has his prototype or comes from that. This is nonsense. I'm saying nonsense. But... Uh, I don't expect that from him, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Ashad Clayton really wasn't used that way much in high school. Maybe he has better feet. Maybe he has it. But again, I see him as a hit-the-hole-hard type of guy. Um, He's not a patient runner who relies on his vision. He's a guy who's going to be told, you're going between the left guard and the left tackle. And then when the ball snapped, he's going to start sprinting that way, get handed the ball, put his head down, and just hit whoever's there. And if there's nobody there, then he's going to be home free. That's the type of runner that he is. And he can make guys miss a little bit too. Um, and he can run guys over. He can take advantage of the open field and get down, like go score touchdowns from a long ways away. Uh, I think a lot of him, but I don't necessarily think that his style of play lends itself to being a great receiving back. Obviously, that's something you can add. You can work on the footwork. You can work on that kind of feel for the game, feel for beating his own defense, all that kind of stuff. But uh, it's not his strength, and as a freshman, I doubt that he's going to come in and all of a sudden have that be what's improved. 
I think that's more likely he's becoming more powerful, making sure that the arm tackles he broke in high school are arm tackles he could break at this level too. The guys who are diving and hitting him in the legs and are bouncing off, similar to Alex Fontenot in, in that the way that he balances as he's being hit, you really do have to wrap him up. Um, those are the types of things that I think he'd probably want to improve upon ensure that they are Pac-12 caliber skills that he has before he starts trying to add something like becoming a better receiving back. Um, then you get down in that, like I said earlier, Dion Lewis, um, or Dion Smith, sorry. I don't know where Dion Lewis. Is he that running back? Uh, is he with the Titans? But Dion Smith, uh, one of my favorites uh, to talk to. Just a, I don't know. Really like him. Um, Joe Davis, uh, again, a guy who I think could be that type of guy. Jarek Broussard. But they're kind of buried on the depth chart. And it's it'd be an upset for any of them to get playing time. I, I, again, like I said earlier, I wouldn't be surprised if one of them does turn this into a four-back rotation and take some of those third-down snaps away from the other guys just because they are different types of players. But... It'd be an upset if they do. They're underdogs. Um, and I'm not really ready to say, hey, this is a guy who they're going to put in the backfield. They're going to flex him out to receiver. They're going to do all these different things. But, you know, if these receivers don't come along the way we hope they will, um, Brendan Rice isn't what he can be immediately. Um, Maurice Bell, uh, Daniel Arias, Jalen Jackson, um, Curtis Cheverini, all these guys aren't ready for for the opportunities that they're going to be given, then maybe that window opens and you see a Deion Smith start to get flexed out, run routes in the slot. Um, you know, there's, there, there is that opportunity. But really, KD is that chess piece. Um, then you also have Brady Russell as a different sort of chess piece. Um, but everybody else's kind of position. Um, the reason I actually wanted to talk about KD, which I haven't touched on yet, is that I anticipate him getting a lot of hate going forward um, because he is coming off a down year because he did try to go to the draft and have to come back. Uh, the point that I want to make is that just because he wasn't an NFL player this offseason does not mean he is not going to be next year. There is so much room for development, um, for him to put up the numbers that we know that he is capable of putting up. We've we've seen what he is at his best. You know, we we also remember the drops. We remember the games where he was kind of quiet, whether he couldn't beat whoever he's lined up against, whatever was going on. Those are all things he can improve. And as he becomes one of the focal points of this offense, I really do think he will. Um, I think that this is going to be a breakout year. And I don't want any of the Buffs fans to be thinking, no, he can't go to the NFL because look what happened in this the like this winter between between his junior and senior year. Um, players develop. Um, there's going to be a lot more opportunities for receivers to be drafted next year than this year. There's so many factors working in his favor, including that he is going to be likely near the top of the pack 12 in terms of production i bet when you get to the end of the year i wouldn't be surprised if katie nixon is leading the pack 12 in catches 
Um, you're going to have some competition, but you look at places like USC where you expect to see that competition come from with Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, I'm not sure. Did Tyler Vaughn's graduate? It doesn't even matter. They they go they go eight deep with five stars at receiver at USC. That's just what they do. Maybe I mean, that might be a bit of a stretch, but not by much. These are all guys who expect to go to the NFL, and when you have that many, it it makes it tougher to put up the massive stats. Like They're all going to get theirs. They're going to have their 1,000 yards or whatever, but KD has the opportunity to not only be one of the best receivers in the conference, but also have, honestly, better stats than a guy who he, who has his talents should have um, because of the opportunities he should be given, um, because he is, I think, going to be a pretty clear number one option for Colorado. Um, and that's not to say he, he isn't talented, um, but no matter how talented you are, if you're placed in an offense where you're surrounded by young receivers, you're going to have a young quarterback, a first-year quarterback, no matter what, whether it's first year on the team or the first year starting, um, those guys typically tend to rely on their favorite targets. Um, I actually think Brady Russell could be a sneaky pick for favorite target for a young quarterback, but the the odds are that's going to be Katie Nixon. And so it doesn't matter whether you're a, a first-round caliber talent or a seventh-round cal- caliber talent. Your stats are going to be inflated if you're in the situation that Katie is going to be put in this season. Um, I'm excited to see what he can do. Um, I'm excited to see what he does off the field when he does what we know he can do. Uh, I'm excited to see the Instagram stories and the tweets and the whatever because he does have that personality and that's marketable. I think it's it's easy to look at that as a negative and in some ways, you know, it it is and you can nitpick those. But also, think of what the hype could have been like around Colorado if Visca had spent more time on social media. If, if he was getting the treatment that, you know... I I can't even really think of many of the loud social media guys in college football last year. Maybe there weren't any. Huh. I don't know. But but if he had been out there saying more things, getting himself even more national publicity, he he could have brought more attention to Colorado. And that's not his job. His job is to go out there and win football games. But you know, KD is going to be loud. I think people around the Pac-12 are going to take note of him in part because of that, and he's he's going to benefit from it. Uh, I, I want that locker room cancer narrative to die. It's it's not a thing to me. Um, I don't think KD's a me-first guy um, any more than anybody else is. You know, everybody's going to want to get their own stats. Everybody's, every receiver is going to want a thousand yards, their eighty catches, or ten touchdowns, or whatever. But KD says it, and I don't even know that he really does. I don't think he says, "Hey, they better get me the ball." But he'll say, "You, you know what happens when the ball's in my hands," and we do. We know he can make plays. He's not wrong, and usually. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I love the guy. I love talking with him. I love 
just trying to get inside his head. I love that his dog follows me on Instagram. Um, it's going to be a blast. He is a, a massive leader. He's a guy that these young guys look up to. He puts in all of the work, and it's going to lead to these young guys seeing what a veteran receiver works like. And maybe Daniel Arias could have given them that same thing. Maybe Dimitri Stanley could have. Um, maybe Maurice Bell could have. But you don't know that. You don't know that they're ready to, to be in those leadership roles because they are still generally pretty young guys. You know that KD is. Um, and that's just such a great presence to have on the field, in the locker room. And I'm excited to see what happens. And again, more than anything, just remember... Just because he wasn't ready for the NFL this offseason doesn't mean he won't be next year. And and I think he's close. And there's a, a lot of flaws that teams can pick apart. You know, he did drop some passes. Um, he did disappear at times. Uh, he isn't very big. Uh, he isn't a, a burner at receiver. But he he does have a lot of things that teams are going to like, and especially the production. He's going to get open. He's going to get a lot of touches. Um, if, if they want to try to use him in the slot, if they want to let him use those quick feet to pick up five yards, seven yards, eight yards, those are all going to add up, and he's going to make a couple plays too. Also put him at running back. Get him that reputation as a versatile weapon. Um, more of the... Um, Oh, it's getting kind of late now, and I just blanked on the guy for the 49ers' name. He's the rookie, um, Debo Samuel. You know, he could get that kind of reputation and play a similar type game. Uh, so, yeah. To wrap things up, uh, if you guys have any questions, any comments, throw them in the comment section for the sh- for the in the post for today's show. Ooh, these are tough words. I I chugged a blueberry Red Bull before this, and it is wearing off. Um, not chug chug. I didn't just like pound it like I'm in sixth grade because I think that's what kids do now. But uh, no, they uh they uh, they vape. That's what they do. They vape. They have like their little vape pods. Um, but but. I just drank it like a normal person and then read this, recorded this. Ooh, we got to get this over with. Again, comments, questions, put them in the comment section for the, on the post for today's show and I'll get to them on Friday. Tomorrow, Thursday, we're doing the draft pod. I have a really tight schedule with things going on Boulder, Buffs play Cal. Did not even talk about that today because today was a football day and I love football days. Um, Not that I don't love basketball days, but we just get more of those this time of year. Um, and we have like a meeting. We're trying to get the podcast down between the meeting and that, and we'll see how things go. It might just be Dre and Mace. I'll be talking buffs on Friday. We know that for sure. We'll be talking about what happens in the game against Cal tomorrow night. Hopefully I'll see a bunch of you guys there. Uh, and then we'll be previewing the game against Stanford, which is going to be a pretty big game. Uh, I will talk to you then, or maybe see you tomorrow. Leave your comments, questions, your thoughts, whatever. Bye. Competition, see you later, baby. baby. Colorado on.
Army with soldiers like the Navy yeah. And voters where we stationed Patiently awaiting When I hit the field It's so hard to behave yeah. I'm Colorado swagging at the crowd Do the wave Look into my eyes I can tell that you afraid uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit ya Hit ya, hit ya, hit ya. Hey, hey. you on your own now Why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle yeah. And we ain't playing with you You can get it anytime yeah. It started at the scrimmage We gon' win it at the line yeah. My Colorado swag in the middle of the ring Throwing blows, knocking down team at the team they like my Colorado swag Cause when I'm in that play I don't really, I don't really know just how to act And when I'm in that go You know I'm acting bad Get a bus with my Colorado swag My Colorado swag My Colorado swag I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag My Colorado swag My Colorado swag Man, I swear, I think they like my Colorado swag Have you ever seen a Ram? Nine Boulder, Colorado Buffalo is what I am All the teams come and follow When I start, hit the field The opposing crowd swallow Cause they know I'm about to kill He gon' feel that tomorrow Whole team full of war Got me feeling tribal, Big 12, here we come We ain't worried about arrival If you want it, come and get it, we'll wait for your arrival When you hit this frozen field, man, it's all about survival Why you make it, why you make it, yeah, you better bring your Bible Great big, blind side, flat line, no revival Get them bucks, get them bucks, mess them up, we say we got them If we don't, then we'll get them When we see them, then we have them like my Colorado swag, cause when I'm in it play